Welcome to the Haunted Hangover Podcast. I'm Louie, and as always, I'm here with my buddy Dave. Hey. And uh, today on the show, things are a little different. Uh, we're going to cover a Halloween film. Uh, this is our first time covering a Halloween film. Uh, you know, most podcasts and shows, they usually cover, you know, the Halloween films, like Halloween, Halloween 3. 3 is a really popular one, right, Dave? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, some other typical Halloween films are films set on Halloween. And I thought that for the Haunted Hangover podcast, we'd cover different types of Halloween films. More deep cuts, obscure, you know, films. And the first film we're going to cover is the WNUF Halloween special from 2013. Uh, this was directed by Chris I hope I don't butcher this last name. Chris La Martina. I think it's La Martina. Like there's like a little bit of a pause. La Martina. That's what sounds natural to me at least. <laughs> Chris La Martina. I'm bad with last names, so I'm not going to lie. Along with several other filmmakers who were involved. Uh, we'll get more into that later. And apparently the budget to this film was about $1,500, which is insanely low. Like <laughs> that's. That's no amount of money. Like, I'm an independent filmmaker, and, like, they did a lot if that's accurate. You'd agree, right, Dave? Yeah, they, they really did utilize the budget they had because it's uh, it's, a, it's a really cool film to see. Yeah, and, and when I read that, I was kind of like, really? Like, some of the locations and the amount of actors they have in the film. Like, I know you can, you know, on a, on a very shoestring budget, you can pull things together like get people to work for free and get locations for free but just some of the the sound was you know the sound being so good at being a key thing i noticed like with fifteen hundred dollars that's not a lot of money so they made it work um, yeah they did and uh i believe it was filmed in maryland um and i'm gonna read off a little synopsis here for the film itself so the film is supposed to be an original halloween broadcast from 1987 uh you follow frank stewart He's kind of like a TV personality slash host, kind of like a Geraldo Rivera, but like the public access version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's like the yeah. best way to describe him. And um, for Halloween that year, he's planning on entering this haunted house called the Weber House. And there were these grisly murders that happened back in the 60s, and he's going into into to investigate them. And he's joined by like a group of paranormal investigators named the Burgers and their cat Shadow. <laughs> and also a priest. Uh, his name is Father Matheson. And they're going to explore the house. And I got that they're basically trying to prove or Frank is trying to prove that spirits exist. I also kind of got the feeling that he's just doing this for ratings. And I'll go more into his character later. I'm sure Dave has a lot to say about him as well. Um He's doing this. You could. He wants people to watch, and obviously insanity ensues, and they have a live séance, and it's a horror film, so you can expect some murder and death. Uh, Dave, when was the, the the first time you saw this movie? So I found out about the movie. You know, I I, I guess I guess it was word of mouth or like maybe reading an article online or something. And um, I guess, you know, I, I, like the, the whole idea of this just sounds great in general. So I yeah, I just blindly bought it and I bought the VHS of it. Uh, and the, the VHS, when I got it in the mail, it was just in a, like a black slip case. Like it was like a paper slip case and it was just a sticker on a, on a black VHS tape that said, 
WNUF Halloween special, and that's it. And like, li- and like, literally handwritten. I remember, yeah, I remember that was like a promotional thing when they were selling the movie. I think, right? Like, they were like, I think the v- the DVD came with it, or something like that. I don't know. I I bought when I got it. I just got the tape, and 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 I may be very wrong about this, but the tape I think was the first thing they were offering. Oh, I didn't even know that. So I, you know, but again, I I could be wrong about that. I I first saw the movie. Well, I, I, I think I saw the movie in 2013 or 2014. I don't remember, but I think you told me about it. I think we were at Monster Mania, and I was at a uh, one of these. You know, they have all these tables with DVDs and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I think we were just kind of browsing, and you were like, "That's a really good movie. I think you'll like it." And I saw that it was it took place on Halloween, and it was you know it was supposed to look like an old VHS tape, and. Um, yeah, I, just, I think I just bought it. I, I don't know if I bought it at a convention. I, I might have been Monster Mania or I bought it online myself through one of these websites. And uh, as soon as I saw it, I fell in love with it. I thought it was a great movie. I mean, I think it's uh, I, I think it's a fair assumption to make that most people that enjoy horror movies and Halloween and will probably like this movie. You know, if, if, if you're not into like found footage movies, because that's kind of what it is. Like, yeah, it's... Yeah. It's almost like a found footage movie, just it's like a, I would call it like an organized found footage movie because it's like a news broadcast that you're watching. Yeah. But if that's not your cup of tea, I could see you not really being into it. But I like found footage movies. I've always been a fan of like Blair Witch Project and, and stuff where you're kind of, you're watching it through the lens, through a person's lens, basically, or through a camera. And, um, you know, on top of that, it's set on Halloween. So, <laughs> you know, being a huge fan of the holiday you know, it's it's a very nostalgic film that's contemporary, which is kind of crazy. And I feel like this movie was able to capture that really authentically. Like it's it feels like you're watching something from like 1987, 1986. Yeah, the, the execution is really well done. Uh, I have a funny story to tell you about this. So when I got the tape. Like that, like that Halloween, the like you know the the year that I got the tape that that same Halloween, uh, I had I had my uh, my friend came over, and uh, it's funny because we went around like it was literally like so you, like so you got a picture like two mid mid guys in their twenties riding around on bikes. I was wearing a skeleton jumpsuit and he was dressed up like Cyrus from Trailer Park Boys. And we were literally just riding around in like suburbia. And I had this whole thing planned out where we went out like to like midnight and we watched the the Halloween special. And I I lied to my friend and I said, Oh, I said, I found this tape in my basement. I forgot I taped this when I was a kid. I was like, It's this Halloween special and uh, it's really awesome. And he's like, Oh, that's great. And, you know, he, he didn't know that I was lying. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, it was pretty funny because because that's how believable this is is that it, it really does you know it, it really does look like it was made during the time it's supposed to be set in and everything that comes with it. Yeah, and and that sounds like an awesome Halloween, by the way. It was. I think you showed me. I think you showed me pictures of that once. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, like you know, going back to what you said, you could see like the dedication in making it seem as authentic as possible, and and what from what I read online. Um, it seems like after they had shot the film, 
which I think they shot on on like legit V like VHS, yeah. like it shot on, on probably. You know, they they like degraded the, the 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 VHS that it was recorded on. Like I guess by dubbing it with like VCRs, like uh, several V's. You know, I used to be able to double tape yeah. on a VCR. Mm-hmm. Like you could do multiple. Just to kind of degrade it so it could get as shitty as possible, like the quality of it, and I think that's what adds to the to the charm. Because you know nowadays, and even just you know, this movie is already what six, seven years old now at this point. Yeah, I can't believe it's that old. Yeah, it's you know everything shot on digital, and even me personally, like I I love the VHS look, and I'm guilty of using it on like you know on haunted hangover videos, or I've even had projects, and we have an upcoming project that's very VHS centric. But we fake it. We don't actually shoot. <laughs> We're not actually going to shoot, you know, on 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 VHS. So you have to you have to just basically make everything kind of look, yeah. You know, using overlays and filters and stuff like that to kind of make it look like a VHS VHS tape. So it just really has an authentic feel, and that really helps with like kind of making it feel nostalgic without actually being something that's, you know, it's not twenty years old or thirty years old. Twenty years ago, the Weber House in Riverhill Township was the site of ghastly depravity, a case the local police dubbed the Spirit Board Murders. Now, WNUF-TV 28 takes you on a horrifying journey through this supposedly haunted estate. Come with me, Frank Stewart, and a team of paranormal experts as we seek to uncover the mystery. There's even a call and seance you can be a part of. So the film itself is sort of bookend, like bookended by a news broadcast. You know, it starts off with these these two like news like these these two anchors, and they're really cheesy. I think one of them's dressed up. I think the guy's dressed up as like a vampire, and the girl's a witch. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yep. And you know, they're just. It's almost like this news broadcast is like world building. In a sense of that they're just kind of trying to like show you what the town's like and what's kind of going on in this town. And it, it again, it, it just comes off as a real like public access local news broadcast. In between, you're, they cut to commercial and that happens frequently. And you just kind of start learning about the, uh, the town itself. And I think one of the funniest uh, moments was they cut to like a little like news. There's two funny moments in the, I think it's the first like five minutes is uh, they cut to like a dentist who hates like, he, he doesn't hate Halloween, but like he doesn't like candy or he thinks kids should like bring in candy and he gives them cash yeah. or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just funny because it, it like legit seems like a real like news broadcast. They talk about the one year anniversary of like this little kid that was killed. It was like it was like a Halloween slaying where like this little kid was dressed up as like an army soldier. I'm I'm surprised they, they did what they did with that. And uh <laughs> let's just say I don't think that they would have gotten away with it if they would have made that now. No, definitely not. But um it is it is silly. But yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a pretty dark joke. And the whole film is a is is more a black com- it's horror but it's also like a black comedy yeah because it's morbid humor and that joke which we you know we're going to cover some spoilers later on in this episode but that joke is really dark yeah it is <laughs> and the funny thing is another aspect of the film is they fast forward and in that very moment they fast forward fast forward a bit so you get the sense that this is a VHS that belongs to somebody like they recorded it earlier that night and they're kind of going back and watching it because you do fast forward through certain segments of the film last halloween 
David knocked on the door of retired military service member, Colonel John Regis. Young David, dressed in his army fatigue costume, was looking for treats. What he found was devastating. Suffering from shell shock, Regis mistook the child for a Vietnamese soldier. He shot the seven-year-old trick-or-treater, fatally wounding him. I mean, he loved G.I. Joe. <laughs> I have to say, every single commercial ad are all, like, authentically done. And, like, you can't even, like, they don't miss a beat. Like, if you were ever a kid and you'd watch, like, the Public Access Channel or you'd watch, like, Channel 11 News, which I used to watch all the time, like, you would see, like, these local ads. For instance, they'd have, like, you know, like, like some local car dealership, some local arcade, and th those all of those are in this film. They do quite a bit of the uh, of the commercial breaks, and like some of my favorite ones, like and it's actually mentioned throughout the TV broadcast, which is another aspect that I really do like about the films because a lot of the things tie into each other in the commercial world. Yeah, you know, like 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 the tokens, uh, the tokens video arcade and pizzeria that's mentioned a few times, and. Like, the, the commercial for it is great. Like, it's just, like, the most typical, you know, teenagers in an arcade eating pizza. Like, but it's done so well, it's believable. And another aspect of, like, these local, especially with the local stuff, is that, like, they almost had, like, a, a DIY lo-fi feel to them. Yes. And especially nowadays, that's, like, an aesthetic now. Like, people go for that look. And, you know, like, just, just to, it's just funny how, like, that was a thing, and it was almost kind of frowned upon. Like, people would be like, oh, that's corny looking. Now, when you do stuff, it's it's purposely made to look lo-fi, because that is, like, a, you know, like I said, a thing now. But, um, you know, like, like the, there, there's so many commercials, like the, uh, there's a, the, the Demons of Demolition Derby. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday at the River Hill Fairgrounds. The Demons of Demolition Derby return. Death-defying, mid-air flying. Pray that no one leaves the place dying. This Tuesday at the River Hill Fairgrounds. We'll sell you the whole seat, but you're only going to need the edge. Yeah, these are all things that resonate with me because, like, I always love those, like, Demolition Derby uh, shows and the uh, Monster Truck shows. Then they have, like, the fake trailer, like, films. One of them's called Arm to Strike. Which is like a, which is like a military, was like a military thing where like this guy comes back from the war, and him and his buddy are like, like like street vigilantes keeping like the city safe. Yeah, it's 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 funny because I was curious about that a lot. Like so, like there's another one called Sarcophagus, which yeah. is like a mummy horror movie, and it's like the midnight movie. But like they use real footage from you could tell it's footage from actual shows or movies or something. But I'm guessing it's like public domain stuff. I think it's both. I think it, I think they were using like public domain stuff and actually acted out things because it looks like it was like you know like yeah. there's another one with the dog and the woman and and she almost hits the dog. Yeah, I, I forgot the name yeah. of what it was called, but she hits the dog with the car or something. The dog comes back or something like that. It like that the, the the dog like refuses to leave yeah. and she's stuck with the dog. Yeah. So like, and I'm pretty sure they filmed that for the commercial. And uh, to me, like some of my favorite commercials are all the like Halloween centric commercials. So like they have a pumpkin patch, um, like a farm. There's like a Halloween makeup kit. Yep. 
which is really funny because uh, our more our like most recent episode where we talked about Halloween costumes, I actually literally found, like, as a sample, an old, I think it was Paz, is it P-A-A-S or whatever, that had, like, that old Halloween makeup kit. And the commercial in this in this movie looks just, like, looks just like that commercial. Like, they did a great job. And one commercial that I'm, I'm sure you probably loved, I did too, is the 1-900-Monster, the, the call-in. That commercial looks like they either, sh- like used footage from existing films or, or TV shows or something or shot at them. It's almost hard to tell because some of the commercials, you can tell there's some stock footage and then some of them might be like real people's like old home videotapes and then stuff right, they shot. Yeah. So it's, again, it's kind of hard to, to gauge what was shot for the movie, what was stock footage and what was something that already existed. But the commercials are, are awesome. They have like that rug store commercial that keeps it pops up like two or three times, I think, throughout the movie. <laughs> and there's even a part where they fast forward through it because it, yeah, yeah. it keeps it keeps popping up. We could go on and on about the commercials. And one of like the charms of watching, you know, these public access shows or like these local news shows was watching these commercials. So, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm going to repeat myself. It, it, it's just done so well. It's definitely one of my favorite parts of the film. Let me ask you a question. Has anyone ever called you Claire the Clairvoyant? No. Okay, I see you brought with you your um, feline partner. Good term, Frank. Shadow is more than a partner. He's the third member of our team. Exactly. Very, very sensitive. He's like my wife. Yeah, very pretty pussy. So one of my favorite aspects of this movie has to be Frank Stewart himself. When I first saw this movie, every time he was on screen, I was just glued to the TV. I don't know why. Like, the, the character is so sarcastic, and a, he's just a huge dick that it's hysterical. Like, it's hilarious. He obviously doesn't, he doesn't believe in ghosts. He doesn't believe in evil spirits. It almost comes off like he doesn't even want to be there sometimes. And a prime example of that is when he's interviewing the people outside. Like, there's like, so at one point in the movie, there's a crowd of like people just hanging out in front of the 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 Weber house, and I guess they're just watching the like introduction of the of the broadcast being filmed. And they're all in costume. And he, yeah, and he's yeah, they're all in Halloween costumes, and he's just kind of interviewing them, and he's like brushes one girl off. I think he interviews one guy and he's like, who are you going to call? And the guy's like the Ghostbusters. And he's like, all right. He's like, yeah, very funny. Okay. Like he, he's, he's like a no nonsense guy. Yeah. And he like, like he just is, you almost, like I said earlier, you just kind of get the feel that he's doing this for ratings. Cause he does mention ratings several times and he always wants the cameras to roll no matter what happens yeah. because he wants people to, uh, to watch. And at one point <laughs> Frank says, Oh, it's a very pretty pussy. After I think Lewis mentions it, that that's his wife, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like Frank is such a dick, and he's so yep. dr- it's like dry, serious humor, but it works so well that he like honestly, I wanted more of him in the movie. They did a great job t- casting him. Oh, he's phenomenal, and he he honestly he's like the glue holding the entire movie. Once he's on screen, like you just can't wait for you know, for the, for the commercials to end or anything and go back to the main Halloween special. And it just, it just, it, he works so well in it. He's great. I, 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 I had written down in my notes, like he's just full of wit and charm. And like, that's really like, 
he, those are his strong points and it's his look too like you like you look at him he looks like you know like this tv host that like you remember like i don't know if that makes sense or not like like you look at Geraldo, like Geraldo's Geraldo. You know who Geraldo is. Like this is another guy. If you were put him into a universe of like news, you know, news personalities, you would know who Frank Stewart is. Yeah, and and he'll do anything for his like show. Like Geraldo and 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 all those guys would like they'd get punched by people, they'd get abused by people, and John they always want yeah, they, John Stossel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We just talked about him you and I recently. Yep. And and um, you know, they'll do anything for like their 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 show. And yep. this character is is perfectly cast and and it's so believable. Like you'd think this was a real guy. And it's great. And there's part and like I said, you you actually put it you put it very well that he really is the glue behind the entire film because there are times where some things can get drawn out too much and he he does save it like he's his character 100% saves the uh could save the movie from it being you know getting a little too uh repetitive yeah cuz cuz it's funny because i guess when they wrote the script they must have known like okay every time we cut back to frank he's the story moves with him he's taking them through the different parts of the house He's telling them what to do. At one point, like the 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 burgers, they leave, and he's just kind of like, "All right, we're still here," and it's just him and the priest. <laughs> like he refuses to. Uh, he wants those ratings. Know, yeah, he does not want this to end. He doesn't want the show to end until he has some sort of proof or something. It's a little vague because you kind of get the sense that he doesn't believe in it, or at least I did. He doesn't believe. In ghosts or spirits or evil forces, right? But he still wants, like, he's telling the priest, "You have to perform an exorcism." He wants the burgers to find some sort of evidence, you know. Even and and it's it's just even. I think at one point when when um, Shadow is killed, he he like tells the cameraman not to look. Yeah, he tells the ca- the cameraman not to look down at like the body of the cat, like the dead mutilated body. But like it's weird, but it's he's such an interesting character that I don't know, I think without him this movie wouldn't be as strong. You know what I mean? Yeah, he he's great. He's great. You you said it, dude. He's the, he is the glue to the movie. Let's open up the lines for our first caller, okay? Anyone? Come on, send your calls in. This is your opportunity to participate in the first live on TV seance. We're waiting for your calls. Okay, we've got our first caller. It's uh, Ian from Fairview. Okay, Ian? All right, let's take a listen. Ian? Go ahead with your question. Iron Maiden rules! White Lion sucks! Another aspect of the movie I liked a lot was the uh, call-in seance. And I, I like I like how like throughout the news the news broadcast they they like go about it they always say first time on television call and seance so like they're trying to capitalize on that too just that whole idea of 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 watching a seance on live TV and having people call in and you know like ask questions and stuff like that I, I th- that's something like if I was a kid and even now like I would like I couldn't wait to watch that. So that's it is a, a unique idea to bring into like something on live TV. I wish they did it now. Yeah, and it's 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 funny because that's what the the whole movie, the way it kind of moves 
from scene to scene is it's leading to that because that was kind of what they were adverts like when you watch the beginning it's a selling point yeah it's the selling point they're kind of pushing okay we're going to have our first ever live séance and you can call in and the funny thing is all the calls they get are bullshit calls i don't think yeah, they get it's a all, it's yeah. all people not being serious and it's funny because that scene right when that happens is when things start to get worse if you notice in the movie like the equipment, yep. I think, is broken just before that. Like the burgers, they're like recording equipment. And then the cat, Shadow, was killed right after that. So it's like that was the main – that's like the main turning point for the the whole film. And it's just so funny how <laughs> I think one of the uh, one of the calls – I forget what one of the calls are. I think they like someone calls and they're just like White Lion sucks or something. I forget what bands they <laughs> He's like Iron Maiden rules, White Lines. And I, it's just funny how, like, ev- even like when Frank's outside with the with the the crowd, they don't take him serious. And when they're when they're during the live seance, they don't take him serious. And every every call, they, I think they only have three calls, and every call's bullshit. So I just find, I find it so 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 funny. Just the idea, the idea of a call in seance on live television is, is such a cool thing to me, and such like a. You know, like it just it just creates this imagery in my head of like the word seance itself does. So like for me, that was just a really a really cool aspect of the film. And and the funny thing is, it's not even really a seance. They don't do anything. No. <laughs> they don't do anything. <laughs> I think they have her like because she's supposed to be like a clairvoyant or whatever. And they yeah, have she's her, a clairvoyant. And like she's like, I can't do it without the cat. I can't do it without the equipment. <laughs> And then, like, you basically get like, – they're all con artists. Everybody in this room, like, during this live seance, they're obviously con artists because, like, with the burgers, they – like, you even see a commercial later on of them. Like, after, like um, – after they leave the house, I think, you see a commercial for, like, their book that they're, like, hawking on on the like, on yeah. TV or whatever. <laughs> so yeah. it's, like, that whole scene is, like, f- four people that don't know what the fuck they're doing. Like <laughs> – it's just so- you know i want to say that i really like the way they look the burgers like i like they were really they, they were casted very well or cast very well and um like they do look the part oh, they do you know yeah, what i'm saying sure. like you know if like you know that they could have just got some like corny looking people and like gave them some like you know like dark attire to wear but they they, they really do look like what they're supposed to be they're obviously like based on the warrens oh yeah and the priest is great too you know, and 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 the whole thing with him, you find out that he's not actually a yeah. priest. <laughs> he was just like an actor wearing a costume at the very end. Um, but it's you know it, the whole scene is just so it's so funny. And with this movie, what what I and I don't know if you felt this while you were watching it, but there's like a sense of dread throughout. Like you, like it's you kind of feel like you know something is gonna happen. Yeah, there's something off. But you don't know when, and it kind of just happens. Because you are getting caught off guard with with the commercials and Frank being just a dick and being just kind of funny and kind of just dry humor that he has. But, like, you could just sense that something isn't right. And when it starts to slowly unfold, you're like, ah, okay, that makes sense. Members of Harvest are making strong efforts to protect their community from what they call the dangerous nature of Halloween. Monsters? Demons? Witches? These things should not be celebrated. They should be cast out. Destroyed. Christians? Holding Halloween parties? And making haunted houses for school children? 
It's blasphemy. So an aspect of the movie that kind of is, is it plays throughout the entire thing is there's this anti-Halloween like Satan's night group called Harvest and they you know this group thinks that Halloween is satanic and blasphemy and their plan is to boycott the holiday and pray all night in a church <laughs> and you know you're introduced to them early on but it is sprinkled throughout the entire movie so that you remember that they exist because it does tie into the ending, which we'll get to later. And, you know, for me, I thought that group and that aspect of it worked really well, um, as well as that there's an entire portion that has like a, 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 I think, just talking about Satanism, like there's actually Satanist. So in this town, there's a group of people that don't like Halloween and think it's evil. But then there's also Satanists running around. (laughs) (laughs) So I just found it funny how like this one place has both there's two groups of people doing that. And the the portion that focuses on the Satan is the Satan like the Satanism people or whatever, the Satan people. Like it goes into there's even like pictures of like dead dogs and shit. Yeah, I, you know the, the the satanic panic thing was a thing, and um, I you know that's probably just you know, the movie's way of doing their own version of that. So, you know, because it was all over the you know it was all over the especially in Long Island. Like there was you know there was the case of of uh, the Acid King, Ricky Casso. I mean he you know that that was all part of that. So, um, you know the satanic panic was like a huge. Uh, huge part of uh you know the 80s uh culture especially dealing with halloween and horror movies and whatnot and it all ties into this movie yeah and i think they did that on purpose because they focus on the two groups so you're focusing on the harvest the group that hates halloween and then they also focus on satan like sat- satan satanism people whatever satanic people or that group and when you're watching the movie you're kind of like all right these people are important and Honestly, when I was watching it the first time or even watching it back, you think that the the people that are worshiping Satan are are the people responsible for some of the stuff that's going on. You know what I mean? Right. Well, cuz cuz you see them. You see them in the like cuz they they like right before they start the actual investigation, what is it? There's like two people that come and like say like, "Oh, you got to stop this. This is not right." blah blah blah. And there's also during the séance, they get a call that someone's like, "You're going to rot in hell" or something like that in the middle of the in the middle of the uh the séance. So, and that ties into the ending of the film. So, you find out that not like everything that's been happening has nothing to do with spirits or ghosts or Satan. <laughs> it turns out that harvest are just as crazy <laughs> as the Satan, like the, the, the Satan worshiping people. And it's funny because when I first watched the movie, I thought that they were Satan worshippers. That was like the twist of the end, like that that Harvest group was actually Saint worshippers. But then you just find out that they're just crazy people that think Halloween's evil and this is their want way Halloween of kind of gone. Like, yeah, <laughs> and like their way of 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 kind of like you know showing everyone that Halloween's evil is by hurting this group of reporters and paranormal investigators and and a priest. So it's just really funny. And for me, I I enjoyed the ending. I thought thought it was really smart writing because, like you said, early on, we hear about this group and, you know, we get hints of them here and there throughout the film. Then at the very end, you're like, oh, shit, it was them the entire... There's no ghost in the house 
it had nothing to do with the Weber murders. You know what I mean? You wouldn't expect that. Yeah, you know, I I, I personally am not a fan of the ending. Um, I thought it was a little silly. I would have liked to have seen, you know, a different ending. But I'll let you explain the ending a little more before I say what I would have liked to have seen. So the way I took the ending was this. You're watching the per- that group's tape. Okay. Like that's their tape. Interesting. I didn't even because think of you, it like that. If you You're th- right. Yeah. Yeah. If you, th- if you think about it, right, who's fast forwarding? And they're fast forwarding through like commercials and they're fast forwarding through. Um, right. You're right. Uh, like, you know, some of the news, like the segments during the news broadcast and stuff like that. And at the very end, after I believe Frank goes into the room and you see someone come at him with an axe and then there's static. And then I think his producer is like, oh, technical difficulties, blah, blah, blah. You cut. It's a, There's like a, maybe a couple seconds of static. And then it cuts back to like footage of them. Like I think the, the guy's like happy Halloween. And they cut off uh, Frank's tongue. And then you see all the corpses of everyone else, the, the burgers and the priest and all that stuff. So I always took it as you're watching them watching their own tape of what happened that night you know because when it cuts back at the very end to the uh, news broadcast they say that they haven't found frank or any of the other people so i i thought it was just a really smart ending i just thought the way they executed it was like that's what i took it as i was like oh that's really cool you know i i just i think i would have just liked to seen you know i think i wish the movie would have just kept to the to the paranormal aspect and like something cra- just some crazy shit happens and and you don't know what happens. I think that's kind of where I wanted it to go. I'm not mad at where it went, but like I said, that's just me. That's just my that's just my personal preference. You wanted something more ambiguous, like a ghost or a creature or something comes yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Just something something like you just like you can't put your finger on like what exactly happened. I think what happens is a lot of these type of movies are guilty of that type of ending and I think that's why I appreciated it because it didn't like it didn't go for a cliche like jump scare ending where like a monster or a ghost jumps out of nowhere and you know grabs a person because if you think about it a lot of these like besides maybe the Blair Witch Project like they have like a jump scare ending where some creature like I think of a movie like Quarantine or Wreck where like a creature comes out and grabs her away from the camera and the credits roll like I feel like this was a little bit of a smarter it felt just like a smarter ending to this type of genre of film it worked. i mean it, it, like i said it, it it works so either way you know it wasn't enough to make me not like the movie because because clearly we both really like the film you know it's just uh it's just my personal preference on the night of october 31st wnuf held a special broadcast that ran into some technical difficulties once our live feed was cut reporter frank stewart his guests, and a number of crew members went missing. The search for our friends continues, and now you can help. We're raising money to fund search efforts, and we're doing it through the sales of a unique promotional album. WNUF-TV 28 presents Frank Stewart Investigates Halloween. This WNUF exclusive features audio excerpts from Frank Stewart's scariest on-air news packages. The album also contains the strange work of paranormal research couple Dr. Lewis Berger and his wife, Claire. The proceeds from this album are contributions to fund search efforts for all the missing parties. Pick up your copy at any participating record barn location. 
So at at the end of the film, it's it's like you have the the two the two news uh, reporters from the from the beginning of the movie. They're basically talking about how they never found the cast and crew, and they're still looking for Frank, you know, and everyone. And um, I think sh- like no, I'm not entirely sure of the time frame, but I know like after the movie was out for a bit, they released a record, and. Um, it's called Frank Stewart Investigates Halloween, and then there's like a little sticker on the on the record cover that says all proceeds from this album go to the Fine Frank Fund. So I, I like how they like are continuing the gimmick that Frank's gone, and um, I don't have the record itself. Uh, I know it's like a spoken word thing, and um, I think there's like on I think on the flip side of the record there's like like talks between him and the burgers. But it, it's definitely something I would like to listen to, but I've never heard it before. But I do like the continuity of keeping it going that Frank's still missing. Yeah, it's it's all like world building, basically. They're, they're just building this entire... It's almost like a sequel, prequel type of thing. I actually own the record. I've only listened to it once, and it's been a while. But uh, I think it's another investigation in like audio form, basically, or, it, it, if I remember correctly. My idea, if they do make a sequel, is to do the same thing, but Halloween, I know Halloween, Christmas are themed around Christmas, just because the way the this movie ended, that they yeah, it's almost Christmas time. Yeah, exactly. It's almost Christmas time. It would be awesome if they. That's like the idea I would have is like basically do the same thing set on Christmas and involving ghost. But then the thing is, how do you bring like you never find out is Frank dead? His tongue is cut out, but is he dead? That's yeah, what you know I'm what saying I mean? you don't know. It, it seems like you know there there's definitely different possibilities that you can you know you, you you can continue this which is really cool yeah exactly again they've built this world with this fictitious I, i'm assuming fictitious town with these commercials and frank and the news broadcast that they could expand upon this as much as they want you know what i mean and I, and from what i know this seems to be a pretty successful film you know a lot of people i know oh yeah you know that are involved in indie film and just film and horror fans in general love love this movie. Yeah, and, I don't. And they, I don't think there's anyone I know that doesn't like this movie. You know, I'm surprised these filmmakers haven't gone on to do bigger bigger things. You know, as far as I know, again, I haven't followed their careers too closely, but you know, this is a great this is a great movie, and I feel like you know, if they do make a sequel, I could see it getting bigger. You know what I mean? Like a bigger film. Oh, absolutely. You know, maybe keep everything the same with the you know vhs quality and the you know degrading of the video but just the the heart of it keep that the same and just kind of expand maybe better special effects or something like that or maybe because there's not there's not a lot of this is not a bloody movie no you know what i mean so if they keep it simple but maybe tweak some stuff because they have maybe a bigger budget or something like that then you could I could easily see this being like you know a bigger version of the same movie, maybe set on Christmas or another holiday. <laughs> yeah, it, it would be cool to like to like almost bait the Harvest uh, crew in again and like do another one, and like have it set in modern times just to try to see if they come and they try. You know what I'm saying? Like something. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, the, the possibilities are endless with uh, you know with with ha- how you could continue this world. So yeah, hopefully they do it. You feeling anything? Ghost talking to you? Tell me. Give me a moment. It'll take a minute. It'll take a minute? Could just Okay, just... It, it takes a minute. Well, give us your initial impressions. Oh, my initial impression. There's someone here. Uh-huh. There's someone here. 
it's a ter it's a terrible feeling. It's terrible. It's, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming and and terrible. It's horrible. It's full of malevolence. It it's not Donald. It's not his parents. Oh my! Oh my! It is. It's pure evil. Uh, Claire, Claire, are we in danger here? We're not safe. And maybe that will translate to some good ratings. So I think the WNUF Halloween special is definitely a movie anyone should watch on Halloween. Everyone should watch on Halloween or around Halloween. You know, they they really captured that type of atmosphere. You know, uh, I, I fun, fun fact, I made a movie set on Halloween, and that's a really hard thing to achieve, that look and that feel. And I feel like this movie captured that 100%. Like, it, it's, it feels like something you'd watch in the 80s or 90s on a Friday night on Halloween or before Halloween. Like, those Halloween specials, I feel like they don't do this. They don't, like, the real version of this doesn't really exist as much anymore. No, it, you know, it, I guess it, like, it was, it was such a thing when, like, Nickelodeon was on and all that stuff, but yeah, it's not like it was, it's not like how this is, because it was like this back in the 80s. Yeah, and, and I think now there are, like, ghost hunting shows that do something like this, but I don't know, it doesn't feel the same way, maybe we're just kind of acting like old men, I don't know, but, you know what I mean, like, it just doesn't feel the same, it doesn't feel the same, and this movie, I feel, should be up there with you know, Halloween 3 and Halloween and Night of the Demons and all these other Halloween films that people watch every year. You know, there's there's a core group of Halloween films that people always watch. And I think this definitely should be, you know, up there with yeah, them. It, 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 it definitely has a place in, the, you know, you know, you could definitely lump it in with the Hocus Pocus and Halloween 3 and, you know, um, what's another Halloween? Uh, Halloween Town. Like, all those, like I, it has its place among all of them. Watch The Great Pumpkin and then put this on afterwards. <laughs> and do what Dave did. Don't tell anybody what's going to happen. Just just put it on and oh, see. It worked. It was that when I bought it, I was like, I'm, I, I'm doing this. I'm going to trick my friend. And he believed me because that's how believable this is. Yeah. It's a, it's a perfect movie to watch on Halloween. It's every person I've put this on for that doesn't even know what it is falls in love with it and loves it and really just enjoys. And it's only, what, I think maybe 80 minutes or 85 minutes. It's an minutes. hour and 22 so, minutes. Yeah. You could throw it on and just, you know, and just have fun with it, you know? It's, 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 the, perfect, it's the perfect movie to put on late at night at the end of Halloween. That's my best way of describing it. That's exactly <laughs> what we did. We watched it at midnight. I was like, I specifically made my friend watch this at midnight. So. So, yeah. Watch the WNUF Halloween special. Haunted Hangover approved. It rules. Hey, creeps. Do you want to hear horrifying tales of vampires, zombies, werewolves, and more? Then pick up your phone and dial the premier horror hotline. 1-900-MONSTER. Talk directly to demons so scary you'll be dying for more. Under 18, we'll get your parents' permission before calling. $2 for the first minute, 45 cents each additional minute. 1-900-MONSTER! Dial in and freak out. Alright, so that's our review of the WNUF Halloween special. Be sure to subscribe, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Haunted Hangover. And if you could rate and review us, that would be greatly appreciated. And remember, the best cure for a hangover is... More booze. Later, guys.